0: Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are about to open your word. and We need a message from you. These are troubling times for each of us. There is a cloak of darkness and worry that has come across the landscapes of our lives. And uh, we need to know how to deal with it. We need to know what it is and how to deal with it. So as we open your word today, we are praying that you will teach us. And we ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like for you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're continuing our teachings from Jesus' life. We have been in the Sermon on the Mount for some time now and uh, we continue today. We start with verse 25. We'll read through verse 34. Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's look at verse 25. Jesus says, therefore I say to you, do not worry. Do not worry about your life. The King James Version says, take no thought. In fact, if you look through the King James Version of the Bible, you will not find the word worry. It is translated, take no thought. It is a Greek word. It's a compound word describing many thoughts happening simultaneously. A person being bombarded by thoughts. They can't quite single them out, but they're just coming and coming and coming. In the Amplified version, it translates it this way, perpetually uneasy, anxious, and worried. And so this translation, do not worry, is talking about multiple thoughts happening simultaneously, a person bombarded with concern and anxiety. Now, before we go far into the passage, it's important to understand that this teaching of Jesus does not condemn prudence, preparation, or planning. That's not the point. This is actually describing a person who has food, who has life, who has clothes, But rather than being thankful for that, they are concerned about whether they will have them tomorrow. And so it is describing someone who is not grateful for today, someone who is not trusting in God. In our last sermon, we talked of Jesus' teachings about money and how no one can serve two masters you cannot serve God and mammon and we learned that the word mammon is actually the name of a God the God of money and so Jesus is saying you cannot worship the true God and the God of money at the same time when we studied that we learned that greed is the natural consequence of not believing in eternity. Let me repeat that. Greed is the natural consequence of not believing in eternity. I'm gonna get it now. I'm gonna grab all I can. This is all there is. That's the essence of greed. Worry is the natural consequence of not trusting God. Worry is the natural consequence of not trusting God. Jesus will give three examples from nature. In verse 26, he begins with birds. Verse 26 says, look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they?" What is Jesus' point here? Well, anybody who's ever watched birds recognize they don't just sit on a limb waiting for God to feed them. They work tirelessly. All day long they are gathering things to eat. They do not store them up for the future though. They live in the day. And uh, poets and others say, and when they're, they're full and they're singing their songs, they're singing songs to their creator, songs of thankfulness. But the birds do not worry. Now there's a number of lessons we can learn from this. Number one, If you find yourself overwhelmed with worry, overwhelmed with anxiety, just bombarded with concern, get to work, do something, get active, find a task, focus on it, complete it. The birds work and work hard, and they don't worry, and when we get off of the chair, crawl off of the couch, get away from the news, and do something that needs to be done, something that will occupy our energy and our effort, we will begin the process of worrying less and actually beginning to enjoy life a bit. Verse 27 which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Now, the, a cubit is about 18 inches, so scholars aren't convinced that means entirely someone trying to be 18 inches taller. It could be translated this way, one unit of measure to his stature or to the span of his life. So which of us, by worrying, can cause ourselves to live longer? The answer is none of us. Which of us, by worrying, can cause ourselves to grow taller? None of us. I know that when I was in high school, I wanted to be 6 foot 4, 245 pounds, solid muscle and just dare to tell me what to do. I worried over it. I barely made it to 6'1, and I didn't cross 200 until a couple years ago, and that was by accident. <laughs> Worrying doesn't add and likely can take away from length of life, especially. Then Jesus went to wildflowers in verses 28 to 30. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you O you of little faith. Wildflowers, the lilies he's referring to, it appears that they would come and stay just a short time. But when they came, they were gloriously beautiful. And then they would be gathered when they died, and they would be used to help light the fires for people to cook with. And Jesus says, They come and they go, but Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like them. We come to verse 31. Jesus says, therefore, do not worry. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? So we recognize worry can do nothing. And Jesus even says this in verse 32 for after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Worry, Jesus says, is what Gentiles do. Now, the translation here that is Gentiles could be written heathens. It could be written pagans. It means any group or individual that does not worship the true God. It could be describing someone who has many gods or someone who is totally irreligious. What they do not have is a trust in the living God. You see, worry is essentially distrust in God. A worried Christian is a contradiction in terms, but it's hard because we worry. It comes. It's like a cloak of darkness sometimes, multiple thoughts coming from all directions. We stay unbalanced, sometimes awake through the night. Jesus is describing that if we are citizens in God's kingdom, we will not be overcome by the bombarding thoughts of anxiety. We will have them, but we don't keep them. How? He gives the answer in Matthew 6 verse 33. He says, but seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. A reminder, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is anywhere where God reigns. So Jesus is talking specifically about seeking in our hearts for God to reign in our hearts. Do that, number one. When worry is pummeling me, when anxiety is beating me up, when I am being chewed up like a chew toy from the devil, ask the question, is God God in my heart? Am I willing to submit to him, to his will? Am I willing to believe that he is indeed who he says he is, that he is God? all-powerful, all-mighty, all-loving, and he is our Father. Do I believe that? Kent Crockett, in his book, The Sure Cure for Worry, uses an illustration which I think is very appropriate. You have football team A. They're behind by two points. They're down on the 20-yard line. There's one second left on the clock. Their kicker runs out to kick a field goal. All the fans are nervous. He is a terrible kicker. They say he is going to miss this one, too. Why are they worried? They do not trust the kicker. Same scenario, Team B. They're on the 20-yard line. There's one second left on the clock. They're behind by two points. It's time for their kicker to come out and kick a field goal. Their kicker is an All-American, hasn't missed this year. As he runs out to the field, the fans give each other high fives, whistle, and they cheer. Why are they not worried? They trust the kicker. You see, the first team did not trust the kicker. The second team trusted the kicker. Why? Because of performance. You see, worry at its core is a trust issue. We worry because we do not trust that God is in control of our situation. We worry because we believe he will fail us. Worry never trusts and trust never worries. The kingdom of God is what we're to seek and trust comes from placing our confidence in another person. Think of this. What about your doctor? Now, we have a family doctor. A man very close to our family. Not only our doctor, a personal friend. I have the utmost trust in him. I know he will diagnose what's wrong, I know he will prescribe how to fix it. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I trust him. I have a mechanic, same way. He knows how to repair my vehicle. He's done it. And he doesn't gouge me with unrealistic prices and unexpected things. Why do I trust them? they've shown themselves trustworthy it begs a question has god shown himself trustworthy has he let you down have you ever been truly alone without the lord you may have felt that way But you weren't. Linda Gibson Johnson was in a deep depression, discouraged, worried, filled with fear and anxiety. She was an elementary school teacher in eastern Kentucky. And for a number of mornings, she got up, drove 45 minutes to the school where she taught, and when she got to the parking lot, she couldn't get out of the car. She turned around, drove home, and called in sick. Eventually, she quit, and the school board was thankful because they all loved her. They just didn't know what to do with her. She had become debilitated through worry. She was fighting this was taking her sleep away, taking her joy away, taking her hope away. One one sleepless night, wrestling with God, asking him where he was. Why is he allowing whatever she was going through? At uh, three in the morning, God spoke to her. wrote these words and put them to music the next day. Greg, where are you? I need you to read this. This is too close to my life.
1: Didn't I walk on the water?
0: Yeah, down to.
1: Yeah, here. As I kneel in the darkness in the middle of the night, I'm praying for assurance everything's going to be all right. And Lord, I see another battle out in front of me. I'm afraid I won't be able, and I'll go down in defeat. And He said, Do you remember where I brought you from? Just take a look behind you at how far you've come. Oh, and every time you ask me, didn't I deliver you? So why would you be thinking that I wouldn't see you through? Didn't I walk on the water and I calmed the raging sea? I spoke to the wind, it hushed and I gave you peace. Didn't I run to your rescue? Didn't I hear you when you called? I walked right beside you, just so you wouldn't fall. Didn't I leave all of heaven just to die for your sins? Searched until I found you, and I do it all again. Thanks,
0: Greg. Times come, worry comes depression comes, anxiety comes, and Jesus does too. I I don't know where you're at, I know where I'm at. And if there's anyone here who wants to say to the Lord, I want to trust you more, just stand. You see us, you know us, come to us Lord, carry us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.